Good morning, LL Nation. What's good with it? This is the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am Sean Davis at SD2 Mics. We both are probably a little hoarse this morning. Just a little bit. Just <laughs> a little bit. From last night's show. If you missed it, go watch it. That in the wrap-up show. Just, just the truth. We gave you 100% truth about the Fiesta Bowl and moving forward. We saved Marcus Freeman's uh, press conference. We touched on the comments of J.D. Bertrand and what they meant and how important it was for one of the players to say what was said after that game. And then we got into some other stuff that needed to be dealt with. And that's that. There's no need to even bring that back up. As always, we're featuring and brought to you by Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Did you get some sleep, bro? I got some sleep, but it, it, it was a short sleep because I was yeah. still about that game, man. But usually after, you know, I know after I eat some wing stock, that knocked hey. me out. I had to keep it 100. It kept it, the sh- it kept it a short night, that's for sure. <laughs> So today we really want to talk about the show is entitled The Honeymoon is Over. Uh, those were the words of one Marcus Freeman at his Fiesta Bowl post-game wrap-up press conference. We have some other important stuff that we're going to go through. Uh, first and foremost, before we get into that, what were your overall thoughts about the Fiesta Bowl? And also the semifinals that we saw on Friday between Alabama and Cincinnati, and then the nightcap that we saw between Georgia and Michigan. Well, for our game, I thought it was just a good a good way to end the year. Even though we didn't come out with a victory, I thought from what it was, it was still a Brian Kelly put together squad that we just tried to finish the year with. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams that lose their head coach in the middle of the season wouldn't put on a good performance even close to what we were able to considering the circumstances. I mean, you leave right before the end of the, before the bowl game, and then you got a whole new uh, coaching staff in a sense from a mentality shift or program shift and to be able to still play well against an 11 and two team with a top defense. I think it just sums up to the, the benefit of what we're going to have moving forward. And, and and we saw some flashes of a lot of great things. Obviously, we didn't put it together yet. But for this to be a Brian Kelly team without Brian Kelly to finish the way we did, without our superstars and all the things included, I think that's just a, a testament to what is going to come. I think if we were to get blown out 34-3, to three, you know, like we see in some of the comments, I think it would have been a lot worse of a take. And I think we wouldn't have felt – as good as we do now uh, moving forward if it was an outcome like that because you could easily make the excuse, oh, we lost our coach, you know, this, that, and the third happened. But for us to go through all of that and and make the game what it was, I'm proud of that. And those seniors to be able to hold it together in the last game with all the changes. And then when you get to the playoff games, I mean, these were games that we expected to be what they were. I don't think anybody was surprised by the outcome of the Cincinnati game versus Alabama or the Georgia game versus Michigan, except Michigan homers thinking they had a chance. But Georgia's (laughs) defense was still Georgia's defense. They played Alabama, which everybody 
watching that game got the the hindsight of uh of of being a uh, a hater on Georgia's defense thinking they cracked the code. Well, Alabama was one of the top two teams in the country every year. So them making it look easy doesn't mean it's going to be easy for anybody else. And and Michigan proved that, you know, they're not Alabama. So uh, we see the, the gap as well in college football. It was distinctly clear, clearly two teams that are the best teams in the country and the games that they played to get there to the championship really wasn't <laughs> – it really wasn't – it was more like a, a, a stepping point, you know, more of a money grab for the college football to try to put something together. But the two best teams are playing in the national championship this year. I think it shook out the right way. And I'm excited to see how this game goes. This is a game I'll actually bet on because I actually don't know. You know, obviously I think – Alabama having such a dominant performance last game that gives them the edge in this one, along with Nick Saban having just the the moxie in, in games like this. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think Georgia's a little bit of the underdog, but Georgia has such a talented team that it's hard to even look at them as an underdog. I think it's just going to be a great game, and we'll see what happens. But from, from the outcome of, of the bowl season so far, I mean, we saw exactly what we thought we would see. Us being a very talented team that can't finish. Everybody else shaking out how they shook out. But in terms of expanding the college football uh, playoffs, I think it would just be tough because even with an eight-man roster or eight-man bracket for the championship, Georgia and Alabama will still be in the end, I feel like, this year. This year. This year they'll still be in the end. Yeah. You know, obviously, hopefully the recruiting and turns around with Notre Dame and we get those five stars, we might shake it up in the future. Yeah, I think until I think it was until two years ago, the number one seed really wasn't was successful in the college football playoff. It was usually a two or three seed that ended up. I think Ohio State was a four seed when they won the national championship with Ezekiel Elliott and that crew, Cardell Jones. So. I think things have changed. I think actually since the college football playoff has started, college football has become more top-heavy than it ever was. Ever was. Like, I ever think the was. gap is bigger. Like We're predicting who's winning championships before the season even starts. Yeah, we, That's we, never happened before. Alabama-Georgia. It was Alabama-Georgia Alabama, back in July. Spring. <laughs> like, everybody knew. And unless – there was something unfortunate that happened. Unfortunate, like, yeah. Alabama lost Bryce, Bryce Young. Nothing was going to change that. Nothing was changing. Nothing was changing. So we were shocked when they lost to Texas A&M. Yeah, that was the only shock of the season, really. We know. We were shocked with that. We were shocked when they lost, when they almost lost to LSU, when they almost lost to Auburn. We're sitting here like, yo. Like, I don't get shocked. I don't get shocked by the almost because I'm a Notre Dame fan and I played at Notre Dame. So, you know, there's a lot of almost games. Almost. That we, <laughs> we the most almost team ever. You know, we the almost lost, almost been champions. So, almost I don't I don't get shocked by. But that Texas A&M game was the only shock of the season to me, honestly, from a outside looking in standpoint. Yeah, you know, I look at it and um, <laughs> we talked about this mid game. I text you and I was like, yo, it was like the middle of the second quarter. And I'm like, Georgia literally just took their foot off the gas. Yeah. I was like, it's the second quarter. 
Like Todd Munchkin is like calling like basic plays. He's not even. I'm like they came out and established Brock Bowers like bam, 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 bam. bam. You were here, yeah. It's and, like nothing. And, and it didn't feel like Michigan could do anything with their offense. Nothing. And defensively, it was just like oh, uh, it was it was hard to watch because Michigan would try to dial it up, and Georgia wouldn't. Wasn't allowing them anything past what the play was called for. So if the play was supposed to be a two yard run, mm-hmm. they got one, maybe two yards in the play. <laughs> so it's just tough to watch when you got a team like I that. I will say this: K. McNamara did miss a couple of receivers that were open deep. They had opportunities, mm-hmm. overthrows, and if that's Bryce Young, that's it. But that's the difference. Bryce yeah. Young was hit the one he had to Jamison Williams in double team coverage. That he scored on, right? A, a non Heisman quarterback, that's an incompletion. A Jack Cone quarterback, that's an incompletion. That's an underthrow. Yeah, maybe even a pick. But that's what made Georgia look like they wasn't prepared. Not the ball, not a blown coverage where a guy was wide. It was like a really good play and a really good throw by a really good team. And it's funny because Michigan actually watched that film and probably believed, like, oh, yeah, we can beat We can get behind them. (laughs) (laughs) And then they came out and got hit in the mouth like, whoa. Yeah, they saw that D-line was was consistent. You know, once they – what was it, 99? Once he made a tackle on on an outside run going away from him behind the line of scrimmage, I knew it was going to be a long day for Michigan, but it just goes back to the difference between a five-star team that has mm-hmm. double-digit five stars and a team that's good. Like, Michigan's a good team. Right. But when you play in a team with 15, 16, five-stars, I mean, you know, talent is going to take over <clears throat> at some point. Yeah, before we get to the Super Chats, I just want to get this one up from Galante. Nicole Dean was throwing up the hooks. The hooks. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> it was funny. I was watching a replay, I think, of the 2018 uh, semifinal, and uh, Jalen Elliott threw up the hooks at the play, and I was like, word? I yeah. was like, okay. That's right. I was like, okay, Jalen. I didn't know. It's like they hold, it's like they hold D-line look like cues. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. As wild as they be playing, they all look like they all, especially yeah. in the south. Yeah, especially in the south, the majority of them are probably RQs. Let's knock out these super chats before we get into Marcus Freeman, Mark Michael Graves. We appreciate you. I've been waiting for this one. Me too. Yo, just send up a prayer for us. We hope we can be as good as we were last night because we had a lot <laughs> of energy last night. It's almost doing like doing the show today. It's coming down off a of sugar rush. Yeah, that's true. That's Demetrius true. Rex, we appreciate you. The team's performance on Saturday night already accomplished what Kelly couldn't in big bowl games. Lead at the half and by a lot, future is bright. I mean, yeah, we was. I haven't seen us lead by that much in the big game. Shoot, since I can't even remember because you know the way we play, <laughs> it'll be. Within three, we'll be down seven. We'll be up ten. Yeah, and then we'll close it out with a nice defensive stand or something. But most of the time, when we've lost close games, it really was offensively going in to score to win. I don't remember the last two minute drive 
maybe it was the Clemson game with Ian, right? That was that was a game winning drive. But other than that, it hasn't been too many game winning drives offensively, other than the Clemson game and I think the Toledo, wasn't it? We went down yeah. to win. But other than that, we haven't been a Clemson, situation where we're not Clemson, uh Florida State. Yeah. Oh, I thought we I thought it was a defensive stand, Florida State that last drive. No, the Florida State took the lead. Mm. And then we came back, sent it into OT. Oh, I was talking about the OT. Yeah, forget, yeah, yeah. Forget Florida State. Toledo, definitely, they were down. Toledo, yep. Jack Cohn and Michael Mayer. Uh, that's one. It's one. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. But Virginia usually Tech. those games are close. But we haven't been in a situation where we're up so much that we're playing from a lead where we're trying to keep the lead. We haven't seen that in a while. We've seen going back and forth to the end, but we haven't seen playing from a three touchdown lead in the first half. Right. Oh man, that's we probably was too excited and packed it up a little bit and coming out in the second half starting slow. But yeah, man, that it did feel good to be up. Thank you. I ain't afraid of no goats. Good morning, LL Nation. I think we all agree the game was rough. I told my dad that that was the worst outcome of all possible outcomes. Thoughts? The worst possible? I think the worst possible was to get shut out, you know, or they score 50 points, you know, because that's an indictment on the defense and Marcus Freeman if it's, you know, a 50-point loss, but I think this was the – it felt bad because they came back from so many points. Mm-hmm. But if, if you looked at it, if you didn't watch the game, you just looked at the box score at the end, you're like, oh, damn, we lost by two. It was a close good game, and it was a good game. I mean, it's one of the more exciting bowl games that we've had, uh, I thought, this year. So is it the worst? No. Is it the one we wanted to see? It wasn't that either. But it was it was in the middle. It wasn't as bad as we thought it was, and it wasn't as good as we hoped it to be. Yeah, I, I I might not, you know, usually even when we lose games and they replay them on the network, I'll watch. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever watch that one again. <laughs> yeah, no use for it. Nah. <laughs> like scrub, because like we said last night, it's really the remnants of what was. Yeah. So it's like, nah, I, I don't want any parts of that. PK4ND, we appreciate you, PK. Happy New Year. You keep it so real. Love, LL Nation. Marcus Freeman will be as great or better than his mentor, Jim Tressel. We lost by four plays and are one great quarterback and three DBs away. I would probably say we lost by one play. Mm. Let's hit Lorenzo Styles wide open. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That breaks the momentum like that. that breaks the momentum. You need something because if we hit that, those two turnovers, you know, we take a knees. You know, we Easy. take knees. I can't believe Jack Cone really overthrew the fastest dude on the team. <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. He's over. He's underthrown every single deep pass. Braden Lindsay underthrown like it's regular, but Lorenzo Styles, you overshoot him. Ah, ah. Oh, Real Sports Talk with Alex, getting my cardio in while watching y'all, Malik and Sean, keep up real. 
Irish. Hey, man, we appreciate oh. that, man. Hey, it's that you must be on those New Year's resolution workouts. You must be on that Peloton, <laughs> getting it in. That's right. I got Lilo Galante. Appreciate you as always. One of our day ones. ND coaching staff needs to have weekly dinner dates with Carnell Tate and Dante Moore once a week. Go Irish Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm about to say something that's controversial. Okay. Yo, y'all. Whenever look, you look to the side. We're doing way. He said, I look to the side. Whenever you look to the side, it's going to get real. <laughs> L, L Nation, we got to relax, man. Yeah. Look, Carnell Tate is not Randy Moss. He's not. He's not Randy Moss. And he I think CJ is better, to be honest. He's not Randy Moss. There are a ton of wide receivers out there that are explosive and can make plays. Yeah. I understand wanting the first guy, the big name guy, IMG. I understand all that. Just just relax. Like that message. The importance of don't even put Dante Moore and Carnell Tate in the same sentence. Because they're important. <laughs> the importance, the importance like, is different. The Dante Moore is here. Yeah. And Carnell Tate is like, he, let me go out of the screen, like here. <laughs> let like, me go out of the screen. <laughs> it's not even close. Yeah. Like, you yo. Dante. We would like Carnell Tate. Yes. We would love him. Yeah. We would but... love him. But we, if we need get Dante. If we get Dante to commit, we'll see. Yeah, we'll probably have a better chance at Carnell. I we'll think, see, but we'll see the wide receivers want to come to Notre Dame. That's right. That's the way it happens. You talked about that all last week, bro. Like the yeah, they got to come like, between the quarterback room and the wide receiver room. Yeah, let's be serious. If I'm looking at the game on Saturday. And I'm a, a top receiver recruit, a, tar, a Carnell Tate type of receiver, and I'm watching that game. The first thing I'm thinking is, who's throwing me the ball if this guy's leaving? We don't get no glimpses of it. We don't we don't get to see him on the sideline, no warm-up shots, nothing. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it like, okay, I can't even really put myself in this game because the quarterback's not even going to be there. Right. Now if I'm looking at 68 passes, I see some potential. But then I'm looking at the receivers throughout the game like, oh, this – I mean, that wasn't a good route. Uh, that didn't look very smooth. That didn't look like he could get off. So what are they learning? So I would feel good that I would go in there and play. But would I feel good that I'm going in there getting all the things a receiver needs to be great? Yeah. I think we've gotten so top-heavy, especially with recruiting – that is so hard for a top receiver not to cut on an Ohio State game and fall in love by just watching it. Because he's thinking like, okay, I know I got the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I know I got the team. I just got to go run routes. I don't have to worry about everything else. I don't have to worry about none of that. I just got to go run routes. Mm-hmm. Are receivers, top receivers in the country that look at us play, are they thinking the same way? Oh, I just got to Catch the ball and run routes. Or are they thinking, oh, what is Tommy Reese going to call for me? Oh, is, is Jack Cohn, Tyler, Drew Payne, or Ron Pollock going to throw me the ball? Oh, am I going to be a Notre Dame guy? So there's so many different narratives that we have to hop over to get to a top receiver. 
Yeah. And it's going to take some time. So you definitely, on a receiver basis, we got to relax. We're not going to, we definitely not making things change overnight in a receiver's mind. No. So it might have to take us going into this offseason, developing the guys we got and the talent that's coming in to make an impressive run against an Ohio State offensive unit. That'll turn the tide for recruiting for a receiver position more so than, you know, looking at last last week's game. See, my grandfather used to take me fishing when I was a kid. I'm, a, I'm going to try and explain this the way he explained it to me. If I mess it up, I promise you, I'm going to bring it back so that it makes sense. Yeah. Well, you go down to Mississippi, it's certain places where you go to fish that are natural climates, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go to a lake down south that is stocked. That means they put the fish in the water. Yeah. And, you know, when they put the fish in the water, you really don't need elite bait. No. And that's why receivers across this country, there's yeah. so many explosive kids that play wide receiver across this nation. They're like, it's like stocking the water with fish. Like, dude, they're in there. Like, you seven don't know. Seven that made it. That's the seven on seven fish bowl. You, you know. don't even have to do. You don't have to do too much. No. It's just put a worm on the hook and just cast a reel in the water. That's right. Now, when you go to open water and you're trying to get a specific fish, you're not just trying to get what they put in there. You're trying to get a specific fish. You have to have a certain type of bait. That's right. And a certain type of pole, more than likely. Because your reach got to get there. And you have to make sure you're at the certain part of that body of water. At a certain time. At a Man. <laughs> that's what it's like. That's what it's like trying to recruit Dante Moore. That's right. And that's what it's like trying to recruit an elite quarterback because they don't make them like that. Yeah. Not the elite ones. It's not a bunch of elite quarterbacks just being poured in all over the country every year. No, mm -hmm. you might get maybe three, four. Maybe. And, and, and maybe. sometimes they might not even be out there. Sometimes they yeah. it, we, it, they in that they not in that part of the water. They still yeah. hibernating. So in this case, we didn't identify who we wanted, right? But we have to go in real smooth mm -hmm. because everybody's trying to catch this guy. That's why he he's evasive in, in where he's at. Right. So it's going to take a special bait and a special hook, and we're gonna have to sit out there and really. What they say? What's the song? Sitting at the dock of the bay. Mm -hmm. Watching the tide, you know, we gonna have to wait. We gotta be patient. But with that, we can also define our technique and how we gonna recruit these top quarterbacks. This is the time for Tommy Reese to really cut that list down to about three or four and invest in those guys. Study, do some, do some, some film study that we can relate to these recruiting tables because I know one thing: we got the ability to do it now. I don't believe we would have had the ability to recruit Dante under BK. I don't think the attraction would have would have been right. At least with Marcus Freeman, I feel like we have a better hook 
to be on a Dante Moore line to really men. And see what reels. I would ask you this question. I, I yield to you because you've been there, you've gone through it. When you deal with wide receivers, the biggest hook is the quarterback. Then after that, I would probably say it is the style of offense. Style of offense. After that, it comes down to head coach slash position coach. And damn near position coach over head coach. Right. Right. So since we won't be hiring a quarterback coach, that quarterback room is all on Tommy Reese. Yeah, that's it. And he's got the whole office. And look, look, C Mac, look, this is what I want to point out. Because this is C Mac says, folks need to calm down. CBS Sports Radio had Tommy Reese on yesterday with Pony Express and Brady Quinn. And he said, we'll get Tyler Buckner ready to take this team in a new direction. And we're excited. That's cool. Yeah. You bet. That's cool. That's cool. And, and and in spite of that, go get Dante Moore. Yeah, yeah. In the meantime, okay, yeah. Get get Tyler Buckner ready. Because he's got to be ready. Still, look. <laughs> Yo, they had Tua. Alabama had Tua and Mac Jones in the clip. In the tank. In the yeah. tank. And yeah, still, win got Bryce Young. And still went and got and made. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Made Bryce Young flip from USC. Yeah, he was already committed to USC. So they are. So he already saw Jalen Tua and Mac already there, committed to USC, and Alabama still got him to flip. Right. Right. In the meantime, and doing all of the all of the championships and all of the good. In the meantime of that. Right. Had him flip when nobody was really thinking about it. Right. He like he like slyly flipped, and then he just slowly came in, and we can't we didn't really recognize it because at that time it was the Mac attack. It was Mac Jones going crazy, and before that too it was going crazy, and Jerry Judy and Devontae. So we didn't even know. Right. Bryce Young was sitting on the sideline the whole time. What Heisman guy we got sitting on the sideline right now that we don't know about? Hey, at this point, at this point, they need to be looking at Ryan Pelham and Bradell Richardson and KJ Bolden, all of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's cool. Get Tyler ready. That's great. But man, I'm looking at 23 quarterbacks. I'm looking at 24 quarterbacks. All of them. Like, it doesn't stop. Like, you don't stop getting top-notch quarterbacks just because you feel like you got one in the building. Yeah, because what is I mean, look at Lincoln Riley. He don't stop. No. Lincoln no, Riley gets a five-star and then gets a five-star after the five-star. Who that we got to deal with that? That makes me feel really good to hear him say that because it makes me feel like they know who their quarterback is. Good. I'm, I'm like, yes, okay. It's his squad. Let him yes. go into the offseason knowing it's my squad. I'm leading us. Let's rock. Okay. That's, That's a great feeling. Meanwhile, Tommy, while you're developing – you better have your A up 94 going into Michigan 
multiple times on the phone talking multiple times a week yeah building a relationship yeah because because at this point at least you can focus i don't want it to be a one-track focus where you slack on recruiting because you so in the tyler buckner you can be so in the tyler buckner just don't yeah. become one track focus yeah. we agree we said it last night the best way for us to get ready for next year is to have no quarterback news. If Tyler's your guy, he's the guy from now until oh. the first snap next year, and there's no indecision. There's no other highlight. And I yeah. see C Mac. I see C Mac. We weren't coming at you. We just like parlaying on top of what you said. Like we're ecstatic. He said that. Yeah. But we won't do. Keep it cool. Because the, that's, the that's not good enough, Tommy. That's not good enough. Now we have seen the track record of when he can focus, mm -hmm. and there isn't quarterback news. You get guys like Ian Book, where you get a consistent guy. He gets better with experience. He gets on the same page as you. The only difference now is that we want to see the, the talent increase now. Yeah, Tyler Buckner's got some legs. He he's done some good things. Can we advance his development on a fast pace to get ready for Ohio State? That's the challenge. But I do think with him saying that's our guy, that's 50% of the battle. Yeah. So now when you go on recruiting quarterbacks, be like, look, I'm you see how I'm committed to guys. <laughs> I'm pitching that out there. I'm developing this kid as I'm explaining the offense. So there could be a benefit to it. I think there's just a lot on his plate. Because you still have to take a considerable amount of time mm -hmm. developing the offense with all the guys we got coming in, the guys that's leaving. How are we going to make it fit for Tyler? How are we going to get the receiver coach on board, right? So Tommy's got a lot on his hands in his offseason, but recruiting has definitely got to be in that top three. Heck, yeah. I would venture to say, <laughs> look, short-term, the development of Tyler Buckner, it's press it takes precedent. Takes precedent for sure. But long big picture. That big short picture. <laughs> man. If we try to hit the two-year window, recruiting in Tyler Dante Moore is like is really up here. Yeah. Tyler yeah. Buckner's development and Dante's right here because it's gotta keep coming. It's gotta keep coming. Because if Tyler gonna get a hamstring injury next year, good grief. Yeah. D Rock Irish. I like this. Restating the obvious, his honeymoon is over too. Hey, we've been saying, look, we have been the podcast saying why everybody is focusing on Dale Alexander. Look, look, his quarterback room is looking shabby in the last four years. It's looking real shabby. And I a lot know, to be desired. That's what I would right. say. A lot to be love, desired. You love Tommy because he's played for Notre Dame. And look, Something has to change, and, and we don't have the buffer of Brian Kelly anymore. Yeah, and no more scapegoats. No, because who are we even looking at on offense if it's if it's not Tommy? Ain't nobody else could even be big enough to take over unless you go start blaming players. <laughs> so there is no more room. All right, we're gonna get back to some more of your comments, but we want to make sure we have time to talk about Marcus Freeman and what he said in his post-game uh, presser. Uh, he was asked about Tyler Buckner and his thoughts about Tyler Buckner being inserted into the game. 
and why he didn't get that opportunity. I think the question was posed, you know, was he available, which was a, a weird question. Was he available? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely an option. Um, you look at the way our offense was moving the ball first half. I don't think coach Reese wanted to, to make that change and he wanted to keep that thing going. And, and, you know, as you get to the second half, you know, they, they did a good job of getting some three and outs, but, you know, obviously not until the fourth quarter did the lead change in, in terms of who was who was in the lead. And so I think at that point, you know, you're just going to ride with with Jack and, and, you know, Jack played well, man. You know, he played really well. Um, obviously, there was a couple of plays we wish we can take back, but we can't. And so I'm proud as heck of Jack. And, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing this QB competition as we move forward. Marcus See, Freeman is such a player's coach. You know why? He's such a player's coach. He's such he, a player's Marcus coach. Freeman knows damn well ain't no quarterback competition. Yeah, come on. He he knows that. And, 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 and Tommy Reese said as much yesterday. Look, Drew, look, you might not want to hear it. Other people might not want to tell you the truth. <laughs> Drew Pine has absolutely no shot to be the starting quarterback. Yeah. Unless injury takes place, that shouldn't be his role. It's not because, happening. No, it's not happening. It's I just, think a lot of people can relate to a Drew Pine. You know, they can see themselves in a Drew Pine, but Drew Pine is not the answer to beating an Ohio State next year. Now, if we had a Georgia type of team. With all of that talent? With 25 stars, Drew Pine would be great for us. <clears throat> but this ain't the team for that. Jake Fromm and Drew Pine are very, very similar. Drew Pine can go to Alabama look great. He can go to a, a Georgia look great. But for us, we ask for too much. I just yeah. think we ask for too much from our quarterback just to be – a decent guy. You got to yeah. be the guy, him. Yeah. And they cut Drew, like you said, he, look, he knows. He knows? Look, he I knows. think he knows. He knows. <laughs> like, and he's cool. He really is the perfect backup that you yeah. want in the program. Yeah. And people always talk about, man, everybody loves him. That's That's what you want. That's what you want. From the backup. A guy that's not threatening the starter, right? But a guy you can close your eyes and be like, okay, he can get us through it. But we're trying to win those. See the difference with us and everybody else. We're trying to win just one more game. Yeah. Most teams are trying to find consistency to win over five hundred. We're trying to find the guys or the one guy to win just one more game. Because that's where we are as a program. Drew Pine isn't the one more game guy that we're looking for. So it's just a bad situation. As Jay said, Tyler can be a star next year. Pine is next in line if if TB struggles. Number two quarterback system. No two quarterback system needed. It only hurts the development of both. Well, look, what's (laughs) – most quarterbacks at Notre Dame have struggled and still won a lot of games. Like – yeah, because dude, we're consi- we keep dude, talking about it, dude. If you're a, a good quarterback, you're going, you're going to win games at Notre Dame. One hundred percent. So Tyler, 
Tyler struggling would be him like literally throwing the ball in the ground on a five yard hitch. Like, yeah, that's Tyler. Tyler struggling would look like. <laughs> look, it's just the good and bad thing about Notre Dame quarterback at this point is that you're only going to be judged off of the Ohio State game. Let's just say next season. You're being judged off the Ohio State game. Because after yeah. the Ohio State game, nobody else cares. Because we know that we're going to win eight or nine games. You're going to put up good numbers. You're going to – Yeah, USC won't be ready. USC yeah. won't be ready. No, no. So we know that a lot. Unfortunately, people are looking at now, that Ohio State game. If Cade, if Cade is the starting quarterback by the time we get to Clemson late in the season, if Kay Klubnik is the quarterback, then maybe it's, it's an opportunity for another one. But right yeah. now, Ohio State is the is what the whole season of Tyler Buckner is going to be judged off of. Yeah, unfortunately, and and we saw an example of that with DJ. <clears throat> DJ's rough start against Georgia just continued the rough stretch he had all season. It's just hard. It's just a, it's just set up that way, and that's because Clemson is so used to having bona fide number one quarterback that a game like that is when they always get on the, the, the national stage. You know, that's the Clemson's here on the national stage because their quarterback's so good. It didn't happen for them like they wanted to. And look at Clemson. Yeah. They finished – damn, they was out of the top 25 for a good portion of the season. That could be us in real life, realistically, because the college football playoff committee is not going to love the fact even if we go undefeated at that Ohio State game, that we lost the Ohio State game. It happened to us this year with Cincinnati. So for us to be able to unfortunately and fortunately get over this hump, that first game is very important for Tyler and for him to be able to do well. If he doesn't, you're going to see some quarterback controversy. It's just going to happen. Yeah, today seems to be – <clears throat> what uh, next Monday is going to be for NFL coaches. Today seems to be that day for the transfer portal. I think this, the next two days, transfer portal is going to be on fire, on fire. Uh, yes, Rocket Ismail's nephew is in a transfer portal. Possibility, uh, a couple of Colorado wide receivers, a couple of wide receivers, four stars from Miami, Ohio, one from Maryland. It's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of options out there. I'm more look, Brandon Joseph is the first. Brandon Joseph needs to be <laughs> in South Bend. The first today. Yeah. He's down the street. Give him the South Bend today. I had a pause because I wanted to see both of the youngsters in the bowl game. And this is where this fifth and sixth year eligibility comes in because. Yo, if Houston and DJ Brown want to come back, I'm not. I'm not cool. I'm not. Uh, no, no. I'm. I'm good on that. I'm good on that. I need. You think Marcus Davis. Freeman would tell him it's time to move on? <laughs> well, honestly, Marcus Freeman, it, he was the one that got Houston Griffith back to the school. Because if you remember when Marcus Freeman was hired, oh, Houston yeah. Griffith was in the transfer portal. That's right. And he convinced him to come back. That would be kind of cruel to convince a kid to come back and then tell him, like, you know what? 
it's not working out. Yeah, I get that. I get DJ, that. DJ but, Brown, you know, man, love the kid, but no, nah. <laughs> go get you some playing time somewhere else next year. Like, <laughs> it's, and I'm not trying to be cruel. It's just, man, it's uh, a tough. Man. This is where it becomes business, right? I mean, Bama does it. Oh, you know, you see people transfer all the time out of Bama. Jameson Williams transferred out of Bama. That's how good they are. They so I good. Can't think of a Notre Dame transfer that really went somewhere else and just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the kid? He's in the NFL right now. He transferred and went to Houston, and he's in the league right now. What is that kid's name? Oh man, he was out of Texas. Wide receiver. Gosh darn it. He's literally in the league right now. He went to Houston and like put up big numbers. Uh, offense or defense? I'm trying to think. He's offense. I know I know only one doing really well right now that left that I can think of. Oh yeah, Jalen Guyton. Yeah, Jalen Guyton. Yes. And he's catching touchdowns for – yeah, he's he's going crazy. Yeah. But another receiver, too, is uh, Michael Young. But think about Jalen – but think about Jalen Guyton is that Jalen Guyton didn't really even play for real for Notre Dame. That's the point. Enough to be like – That's the – but that's Well, the he point. didn't – he wasn't there. I'm sorry. He wasn't there long enough to even be, like, even a factor. That's why most people forget about Jalen Guyton because he was gone so fast. Yeah. But a guy that, that did play a lot, that transferred his have success – is Michael Young out of Cincinnati, who I don't know if he'll get drafted or not, but he's been okay. I mean, his numbers have been really good. Um, Jalen Guyton went to Houston and put up. Yeah, he went to North Texas and went crazy. Shout out yeah. to shout out to Coach uh, Baggio. Baggio. He was at yeah. Notre Dame. Uh, then he went to because he was trying to get me to go to North Texas, but I'm like North Texas. <laughs> but Taylor Guyton went down there and, and really did his thing, man. Really excited. Oh, and also the receiver for the Rams that came from Northwestern last year, Ben. Oh, Ben Skoranek? Yeah, Skoranek. And, you know, he's he's in one of those positions where he's got a really good uh, opportunity, man. He went to a team that got a great setup for him, a great coach, and then he can find his way in there. He's been making some plays. I mean, well, it's a system he got of, Odell over. It's a system all about route running. Exactly. If and you know I wasn't a big fan. I'll be honest. I wasn't a big fan of a uh, of Ben Skoranek at first because maybe just the fit in our offense it made it look like he was just out of place. Mm-hmm. But you know, he got to the Rams and, and got in the right place, and he's looking good for sure. Facts. Uh, Lilo Galante Dante Moore is a musky, the fish of ten thousand casts. Yeah, you got to come with your A game. You have to come with your A game. You just can't walk in like, yo, this this is where we see you in our offense. Nah. Yeah, because we fighting the good schools. We fighting Man. the Ohio States, the Bamas, the, the Georgias, possibly. Uh, Paul Moore, we appreciate the super chat. Is Notre Dame really committed on winning national championships like the football factories of the world? Uh, when BK left Notre Dame, it was a big wake-up call. Well, when BK left Notre Dame, it was because he wasn't getting any more money out of Notre Dame and because his program was was declining. Let's keep it real. The peak of Brian Kelly's uh, era was 2018. 
that squad. Oh, going undefeated and yeah. That was that's that was the squad. If a squad was gonna do it, it was that squad, and they didn't get it done because they didn't have a quarterback. Period. I watched that game, dude. That game was like a three-three game with Clemson. Like, to the end, damn near. Into the second quarter. Yeah. It's like they dude, they were going blow for blow with Clemson until Julian Love got hurt. Yeah, Julian Love got hurt early, and that was Julian that was Love crazy. got hurt. Then they reversed like, the fumble. See, they reversed the fumble call. Yeah, they reversed the fumble call. They only got that field goal because Ian Book fumbled. So it's like Notre Dame was a really good team that year. I'm talking a really yeah. good championship caliber, and they just they didn't have the quarterback. And when Julian, like you said, when Julian Love went out. Them, them, uh, them deep balls start going up, and we got beat because their player was just better than our player at that but time. We didn't have, we didn't have a depth at quarterback. We, we just yeah. didn't have it. So, and all of those guys, the whole secondary went to the league. The whole secondary. <laughs> our whole secondary went to the league. Troy yeah. Pride, Julian, Dante Vaughn, uh, Jalen Elliott. Yeah. yeah, all of them went to the league. So, yeah, I mean – they can't be as committed as state schools like Georgia and, and Alabama for multiple reasons. But as we said before, there's no reason why Notre Dame shouldn't be able to get three or four or five stars every year. Yeah, there's no reason. There's no at reason. At least, at least yeah. three or four or five stars. Yeah, I think Texas AM picked up like three yesterday. <laughs> it's like And when is Texas AM? Come on, like such a out of the blue school to even yeah. be recruiting five stars like that. Let's see. I think Angeli is a four star. I believe he is. Yeah, I think he got bumped up towards the end of the season. Patrick Barnes, Tyler will have all spring, summer, and fall to learn and improve his game. Um, Brian Kelly said Tyler learns extremely fast. Don't forget Tyler only played one year of varsity <laughs> high school football. He told he learns extremely fast. What are you trying to say, Mr. Patrick? <laughs> Mr. Barnes, what are you trying to say? <laughs> Dude. I Look, all of that sounds that, good. That that learning and knowing all of that when that's it's live bullets is totally different. Because if that's the case, Caleb Williams is the smartest football player at quarterback in the country. Right. Like, come on. So right. we, 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 I think we've gotten past the whole we need a smart, talented, I mean, we need a super smart head, strong quarterback out there that's just Dr. Strange in his way through games, just knowing how to do everything. I think it just comes down to college football has been simplified enough to where talent can, if you put talent in the right position, they'll do his thing. So for us, you know, I, I not that we need less intelligent quarterbacks, that doesn't make any sense, but let's get a quarterback whose talent supersedes the intelligent part first. You right. know, you're not thinking like, oh, he's breaking down coverages and da da da. Let's just see the guy that's just making plays. And then let's see if then we can add on to the, the football IQ of things, you know. Let's see, Mike. Appreciate the super chat. Sean, if you had one pick. A wide receiver and a cornerback. Is this recruiting wise or 
transfer? Because I want to answer your question. Maybe just like wish list for a transfer, maybe. Um. Yeah, I need to know. Oh, he said transfer. Oh, transfer. I mean, this is the week where most of the top guys will end up, so I have to let it play out. Yeah. Um. I can tell you now. I'm cool with. I do. I love Peyton Bowen. Love Peyton Bowen. I'm just gonna do recruiting. Peyton Bowen, even though more than likely he'll play safety. Dude, him and Adon Schuler. And he should play special teams too. Oh, he definitely has to return kicks. Because we over here letting anybody do punt return. Like, what? <laughs> we the only team in the country that's a that's a relevant top five team in the country. That just throw anybody it back there for punt. Gives, gives no fear in special teams. Yeah, like we just like, yeah, anybody yeah. want to try catch a punt? Like, what? Put a we got Chris Tyree. Yeah. And we putting walk-ons in over him on punt return. Yeah. Oh, DB I wanted transfer to DB I wanted. Well, I've been open about it. I mean, he's going to Alabama, but as soon as Eli, as soon as Eli Ricks hit the transfer portal, I was like, yo. I texted him. I was texting Eli Ricks, like, yo, you know, might as well come on. You know, you're a Notre Dame guy. And he just was not convinced that the fit was for him. And on top of that, he's like, man, he's he's convinced, too, that the SEC, it ain't much better for a DB. And if you already thinking that and then you transferred to Alabama, I mean, what? I mean, you <laughs> what you want us to say? Yeah, there's nothing we can count on. We can't count on with anything. We can't count on right now with nothing for you. To go to Bama? No. Yeah, and dude, I mean, you gotta love us to even consider. Oh, this is what I'm talking about. Like, that's cool. You want Carnio Tate, but I mean, dude, if you can get Brandon Ennis, which I doubt, Zachariah Branch from out there, Bishop Gorman, mm. that dude, that's nice. Yeah, Zachariah Branch is man. I like Zachariah Branch. If I have my choice between him and Carnell Tate, I'm probably taking Zachariah. So that goes with what you were saying. There's a there's a bucket full of them. boatload of wide receivers. <laughs> you close your eyes and you can get lucky and get something nice. So I need to give me a couple of days to see how the portal plays out. I know a cornerback from Purdue just hit the transfer portal this morning, if I'm not mistaken. And I know that Purdue's defensive coordinator is a possible candidate. So he might bring him over. For the D.C. job, so... That might be an option. Um, yeah, we'll see. I know Phil Jacobic dad well. Phil left because of Kelly lying to him. That wasn't the only thing. Kelly just made too many disparaging remarks about the kid publicly. Yeah. That, yeah. that. Yeah. I've yeah. never seen that ever. Yeah. Like, yeah. you just going to talk about this man to the media like that? Really? He'll wow. do it, too. You know, that's not Kelly's first time doing something like that. So, you know, for a guy that respects his ability and his family, you know, his dad respected his, his talent level, he's like, man, we ain't taking that. 
And that's what his dad should have done. <laughs> Why would he not do that? Phil was a, was it Phil was the number one quarterback too, or something like that coming out. So yeah, Phil wasn't. He's like, I'm a five star guys. You're you're letting. I, the, I think. Wait a minute. Aren't they on the schedule? I think they come to Notre Dame, and him and Zay Flowers came back mm. together. Together. Yeah, that, that piece. That see that BC game might be one of those close games. Yeah, I think Phil's really good. Do I think Phil's good enough to beat us with a BC team? He's not Matt Ryan now. You know, I think Phil's really good, but he ain't no Matt Ryan. Is Phil better than anything we've got in the quarterback room right now? Only because we haven't seen a full version of Tyler. So you copping out? We haven't. I'm talking about right now at this right now. Yes, yes, right now, yes. He's better than what we got in the room by far, in my in my opinion, by experience, physical size. I think Phil's a really good player. You know, I think he's a really good player, but it's not a a fair comparison to our room with a bunch of. Unproven guys. I just leave not, it at unproven. Yeah, we're not we're not trying to be fair. We're just asking a question. <laughs> you've been on record all year. There he goes fading back. <laughs> Come on. Had to check the piano. Yeah, check the piano. <laughs> you've been on record this year saying that Phil Jacobic was the starting quarterback. Notre Dame would have been in the playoff. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. For sure. Feels better than Jack. Got more talent than Jack. More experienced than a Tyler. And he knows the team. I don't think Phil would have lost no Cincinnati. <laughs> you know? There's some games where some quarterbacks just not losing. Phil's not losing to Cincinnati. I don't care if Cincinnati was undefeated. I think Phil would have pulled us out in that one, which yeah. would have put us in the playoffs. You know, and that's only – but you know what's crazy is that that's just the one game difference. Yeah. We just looking for a guy that can make one game a difference. Will Phil have outperformed Jack Cone numbers wise all season? It would probably be a little similar. But would Phil win that Cincinnati game? 100%. You know what, would have, what wouldn't be similar? The, the run play, stats. The, play, the plays he would have made with his legs. That was saying the run stats. That would have been that would only mean the you know, the ends wouldn't be crashing down on Kyron all year because Phil had the ability to pull and actually run. So yeah, uh, yo, Marcus Freeman was asked about the preparation and whether or not um, this team was prepared for Oklahoma State in the tempo. Yeah, we knew they were going to go fast, and they did. And um, we prepared for it. And, and But at the end of the day, they still executed a little bit better than we did defensively, you know. And, and we wanted to play some zone um, early in the game, and they were starting to exploit some of that zone. So we said, okay, let's change and play a little bit more man. And, and you know what? I trust Lou. <laughs> And you know what? That guy made some plays. He's a heck of a player. Number one's a heck of a player. And, uh, you know, we got to do a better job maybe mixing it up. But you know what? Hey, man, C. Lou's going to do great things for us, and he's done great things for us. And uh, you know what? I, I wouldn't trade him for the world. Ooh, that's the type of dude you want to hey, play for. Boy. That's the type of dude you want to play for. That's, that's the type of dude you want to play for because it, it took him a while to kind of get to it. 
Because he wanted to, he had to laugh at it for a little bit because he like called man and damn he was getting killed. But <laughs> he was like, maybe we could try to switch it up, you know, maybe next time. But he had to, he had to, you know, the, the only line that mattered was I wouldn't trade him for the world. You know, That's that encouraged it. the kid like influence to go and be like, all right, I know everybody kicking my ass, but my coach want me, so I'm gonna go get better. <laughs> But man, I mean, like, but you heard him. He's like, look, we knew they was gonna do it, but when you're doing it, that's a whole nother story. You know, yeah. I'm sure a lot, plenty of people planned and practiced great for beating Mike Tyson until they had to fight Mike Tyson. You know, and it's just like, oh, the, the plan sounded great, but it, right. it, Oklahoma State executed. Like you said, he's like, well, we want to do zone because Baylor played a little bit of that and got some got some gimmies. But after a while, when you tempo, you have to play man, you know, because you don't want to want to eliminate the communication so you don't let an explosive play go. So you have to go to man eventually. Right. And then that's when the one-on-ones come in. And, and <laughs> Marcus Freeman was like, look, recruiting kicked our ass right there. We, we couldn't win those one-on-ones through the stretch. But, you know, those guys are going to get better, and they believe in Marcus Freeman that they can get better under him. So, you know, he's not worried about it too much. And and we forget that when Baylor faced Oklahoma State, they had their dude on the back end. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They had a first round. 22 round was back team. there. That cat Petrie was yeah. back there. Making the calls, making the plays, defending <laughs> the slot, man to man. Yeah. If we had 14, everything yeah, we wouldn't would even be different. talking about a loss. No. Everything, everything would have been, been different. So, Cause he's not giving up them red zone touchdowns that we had number two give up. No, you know no, he he ain't letting guys catch no, catch no. stuff in front of him and all that. No, no, no. They run a jet sweep and he's one on one with that dude with Bray coming around. Yeah, we we seen we've seen yeah, yeah we've seen Kyle make open field tackles behind the line on jet sweeps for for a fourth down big plays. So we right. haven't seen the potential what we can do. Yeah. He was also asked about um, his thoughts on the offensive line and how they did in the Fiesta Bowl. I, I think and for the most part, again, I haven't gone and evaluated it, but they, they protected the quarterback. And again, it's the tale of two halves in terms of the first half you scored, you know, 28 points, I think offensively, we're moving the ball, they're protecting the quarterback. And then the second half, obviously things didn't go that way. And so, we have to go back and, and Tommy and look and say, OK, what did the defense do second half schematically that gave us issues? And let's try to find a way to make sure that never happens again. Um, as far as taking a deep breath, it, I'm more motivated now to go, go, go. Right. And to, you know, let's everything we do from staff to personnel to recruiting to whatever it is that this organization needs to improve. That's all my mindset is. We may need to pull the reins on this dude. <laughs> Straight up. Like, he's one of the people like, oh, man, you need to slow down. Like, you guys, like you haven't eaten today. You need to take a nap. Like, this dude is ready. Like, he's ready to go. Whether yeah. it's interviewing his, his coordinators, getting new coaches, recruiting. Like, this dude is amped to go. Yeah. It's like, he's thinking ahead of his time. Like, man, bro, I want you to be healthy, too. Like, I want you to win. I want you to get recruits. I want you to hire the right coaches, but I want you to be here for about yeah. 10 years. Like, Yeah, you can't do it all in the, in the offseason. Yeah, one day at a time. 
you know, one minute at a time, one second, however you want to say it, second, minute, hour. Yo, stay in the moment, do everything. Everything's going to turn out fine. Everything is going to turn out fine. Some more from Marcus Freeman. I thought the kids prepared tremendously. Um, I thought the coaching staff did a great job, but at the end of the day, we didn't execute when it mattered most. Um, but these guys, man, it's a special group. And for those that aren't coming back, they're going to be greatly missed. But uh, more than anything, there's a group, I think, that's one, disappointed, but two, motivated. Motivated to write what happened today and, and to start the progression for the future. As I told him 28 days ago, this is about right now. This was about finishing this season off the right way. What didn't happen? And it's okay. All we can do now is start focusing on what we'll do as we move forward to make sure that we're successful the next time we're on the field. I don't need to hear anything else. Like, I'm straight. Yeah, I mean, should you said what you what you should have said and needed to say. And, you know, you took you, – you, they tried to throw you some curveballs and you did a good job handling it. Now it's just a matter of, okay, what's the work look like now in the offseason when everybody's focused on other stuff? And he's got a lot that he can be proud of to build on because there are a lot of good pieces still here. I think at the end of the day, the more he can avoid uh, saying the wrong thing, yeah, I think it'll buy him enough time to get the right pieces in so we can see what it really can look like. Yep, Lucky 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 Lefty Podcast. We're talking about Marcus Freeman right now. I'm Sean Davis. That's Malik Zaire. And uh, last but not least, Marcus Freeman himself, in his own words, said the honeymoon is over. Did a good job at, you know, getting into some 10 personnel, which they really hadn't shown much all year. And, and it was good. And, and they made some good second-half adjustments offensively and defensively. Um to stop what we we're doing offensively and, and to kind of exploit some things defensively. Um, so they did a good job, and, and you got to give them credit where credit's due. Uh, but for me, obviously, as the leader um, of this program, it's, it's again, it's a pit in your stomach, as I told the group a minute ago, that you want to bottle it up and you want to remember how this feels. And the honeymoon stage is over, right? It, the whole, hey, new head coach, it's a great story, no. It's about having a great product and it's about having a great team. And so we have to make sure that it's about developing this team for next year, right? This year's over. So everything we do from now moving forward is going to be development and making sure that we're prepared to have success. That's it. Season is over, yo. It's a wrap. We didn't get it done. Y'all can put that in the archives. It's time to move on. Only thing else he could have said that would have got me hyped is, hey, it's time to prepare for the horseshoe. If he had said that, I was like, I would have gone crazy. Yeah. Like, okay. His mind okay. in the right place. And he okay. probably in the back of his mind is thinking about that. That's why he's so, in my opinion, was so rushed to be like, look, we're next year, next year. Right. Next year, okay, you're going to be missed. It sucks. We get it. But next year, next year, next year. Because he knows for himself. He probably got some stake in wanting to get Ohio State since he played there. Yeah. All every all the connections there, but you can tell that he's definitely not tripping over this loss, which is good. You know, it's a different not tripping. You know, when Brian Kelly wouldn't trip over the loss, 
it'll make you mad because he, he you wouldn't think that he even cared going into it. At least with Marcus Freeman, you can tell that he's upset that we lost, but he's not daunting over the fact that we lost either, and he's excited about what's next. Now, see, this right here, this is the type of stuff we're not going to do. And we welcome all comments. Two workers said Freeman needs to spend some time with other head coaches. You mean like his mentor, Jim Trestle? <laughs> he literally said he's talked to Jim Trestle every day preparing for the Fiesta Bowl. Literally. It's like, what do you – sad to say he made many fundamental mistakes the other day that cost us the game. Name them. You said many. Name them. Yeah, I need to know. Name them. No adjustments whatsoever were made at halftime. That's not true. The man just said we had to go to man-to-man when they went to 10 personnel. Yeah, because he was getting cooked. Wait a minute. Hold on. Look, <laughs> look, man, I got to bring it back out. See, this is what upsets me, dude. People just <laughs> stop stop grabbing stuff and narratives that, dude, stop grabbing low-hanging fruit. Stop. J.D. Bertrand from the post He prepared us really well. He had us ready for the high tempo. He had us ready. Like, it wasn't schematically. It was a little the little details of – we missed tackles. We didn't win the 50-50 balls. Those little details, and we need to make sure we do that better, and it's on us. And going into the next season, I just want to make sure I focus on the fundamentals, the little things like finishing leverage tackles, not going one for one for blocks, just every little detail, just being able to enhance it. And then just being able to take that next step in leadership and be able to help this team become the team that we want to become. The roster isn't good enough. It's not. <laughs> we was not good enough. You made many fundamental mistakes. No, the players made many fundamental mistakes. Yeah, Yo, he said Jamie it. Bertrand just said it. We Same. made fundamental mistakes. We missed tackles. We had sacks four different occasions that yeah. would have made it like second and seventeen. Yeah, we were running past. Tack- we were run- with the perfect play call. We're running past the play. You got, Jack past- Cone, you got Jack Cone overthrowing a wide open man as a touchdown when he That's had not a Logan Diggs all year. Oh you got God. Logan Diggs fumbling at the 30 yard line of Oklahoma State. You got Jack Cone throwing an interception that's just, I don't know what he was looking at because the safety and the linebacker were right there. There's no way Kevin Austin could catch that ball. That's another opportunity. The defense gassed, the gas defense that didn't make adjustments. Created two turnovers to give you two opportunities to win the game late. And two. when did you get a chance? Two. 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 And maybe people don't understand because they didn't play. But I get a chance to talk to you, bro. When Marcus Freeman said they went 10 personnel and we had to go man, and then J.D. Bertrand says they went to personnel and tempo to take us out of our stuff, and we couldn't run our stuff. We couldn't run our blitzes. Guess, guess what? what? Let me because let me break down the team. They made it a one on one game, which was the only thing they could do, and the players weren't good enough. What's the number? Yeah, what's the number thing? One, what's the number one thing we've said about JD Bertrand all year? We don't like him in pass coverage at all. So when he's up there saying, Yeah, we went to man and got us out of our stuff, he's talking about himself. He's talking about himself. He's like, Hey, they put me in man to man against a non tight end because they went 10 personnel. So they put all little fast guys out there, and guess what happened? We were never good at man. No, against a team that's running a bunch of little guys out there that made us play man in tempo, and we got exactly what we knew we wasn't good at. That's not a coaching thing. 
And and yes, we should have ran the ball more, but we didn't attempt to. So I don't, blame anything, Tommy. I don't blame Tommy for not running the ball more. I don't blame you him. You make adjustments, you call plays, and your wide receivers can't get off bump and run. That's not he's gotta, adjustments. He's got to have some acknowledgement to be like, okay, we've never depended on our receivers this much. Let's just break it up a little bit and no. maybe not have 68, maybe 50. Maybe 50. But, or, but, or, <laughs> go to, or go to some stack. Go to some stack formations. Yeah, get break up. The, go to bunch, do some things, do motion. Some, yeah, all oh, of that, man. cool. At the end of the day, and this is what we said, no name fans, look, you, look, just admit this roster wasn't good enough. No. It just wasn't good enough. It just wasn't, and we saw that. And we held on because we had a chance to get to the college football playoffs. We held on hope. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wasn't everybody saying this is the transition year anyway? Transition year. That's yeah, what they so said. What? <laughs> we knew these linebackers couldn't, they couldn't tackle Sam Howe. Yeah, no, we couldn't. Sam yeah, Howe Sam ran Howell. for 100 yards. There is no adjustment to missing tackles. They had 13 missed tackles in this game. 13. There is no adjustment for that. That's the equivalent. That's the equivalent of having like, what, fourteen penalties on on offense. It's crazy. You're just killing yourself. It's You're crazy. Just yourself. And dude, you can't you can't come at us like we're protecting Marcus Freeman because we lit his tail up on the post game show. He was the first he person. He was the first person we lit up. So everybody got it. But what we're not about to do is grab the low-hanging fruit, the narratives, right? We're not about to do that. The general, the, the the generalizations of fundamentals broke down. What fundamentals? Dude, <laughs> J.D. Bertrand told you the fundamentals that broke down. He talked about, I got to get back to work on yeah. my leverage and leveraging tackles. Like Martin little Smith. details, little de- the, the stuff that coaches say all the time. All the time. Little detail. It wasn't no big picture, oh, we got out coached because they gave us something we weren't prepared for. No, it was we adjusted and got so, cooked. The first thing J.D. Bertrand said, we were prepared. He now, prepared us. Now, were players good enough for the preparation of what was asked? That's for all the execution. Question. Yeah. Clarence Lewis was not good enough to execute man to man. Bauer was not was not good enough to execute filling holes and making tackles. No, Bauer was running with his head cut with his head off. Like where are you going? Why am I every time I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you come from behind to tackle somebody? Like man, look, we not we don't do that on we don't do that in this podcast. You like you can give an opinion, but man, don't come on. That right there, stop. Stop. Now, if we had Marist, if we had, you know, a healthy roster, I don't think anybody would be giving the shots at Marcus Freeman like they're giving them. Because if we had 23-14, we had our our healthy linebacking core, come on, come on, come on. That's why I said I didn't really – I don't – I just don't. I don't really respect Oklahoma State like that because I'm like, yeah, it was a two point loss against a team. If this this was our full squad, nah, that's a blowout. 
Yeah, they beat us by two blowout. points. They beat us by two points. They ain't beat us by 50. That's a blowout. And once again, I said this last night to push back on everything that was being said, you know, trying to big up Mike Gundy. And this is, dude, dude this is for several reasons, right? Like, well, oh, he was outclassed by Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy got outclassed in the first half, right? I had no answers. Right? No answers. His own words, we were forced to go to some stuff we didn't want to do. That's the only thing we could go to. We had to go man-to-man, 10 personnel, just play, man, one-on-one ball all day. Basic. Basic That's all stuff. we can do. All the stuff we, we drew up these 28 days getting ready. 15 practices. What we it drew was up wasn't good enough. Wasn't good enough. They, so was Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State, was Oklahoma State ill-prepared? They told you they was unprepared. They told you themselves they was unprepared. Dude. Come on, man. What do you mean, why is dude? This dude, stop. This is it. Why is Oklahoma State dictating? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? If they go tempo, you cannot make substitutions. <laughs> what do you? Oh, my God, man. Oh, my God, man. Stop arguing the lame point. That's a lame point. I respect any point, but that right there, that's that's a lame point. Teams dictate all the time. It's called football. Teams make runs. Good teams make runs on each other. Definitely. You score, they score. Why did Oklahoma State let Notre Dame dictate to them in the first half? Because we're a better team. Oklahoma State didn't have a choice. What are, we, what are we doing, man? Yeah, I don't know. If Marcus Freeman had the talent Alabama has, he could line up and just say, Christian Harris, you go stick the, the slot. Yeah, play man. Alabama, Alabama doesn't do anything special. No. They play man-to-man 90% of the time. You know why? Because they got the true <laughs> freshmen that can go out there and just lock you up on the corner. Like what they're not good enough talent wise. What are you? I would you love missing? to hear. Yeah, they're not good enough defensively talent wise. Stop and because of that, we and because of that, you can see how we had to coach at a high level because Man. we don't have the talent. So if, if we didn't, if we were under prepared and out coached, it wouldn't be 35-37. Yo, I see why Clark Lee left. <laughs> if he knew that was the talent and the talent was going down. I see why he left and took the bet. He left for Vanderbilt, bro. Yeah. He left to take the Vanderbilt job. He knew the talent at defensive back. He knew the talent at linebacker. He knew he hadn't recruited. And Clark Lee was great, but Clark Lee struggled getting DBs too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Every defense coordinator we've had struggled to get DB struggle. And why are we acting like why are we acting like we didn't know that we didn't get defensive backs in the 2018 class, 2019 class? Yo, there's no depth. You had a true freshman sitting behind Clarence Lewis, and in my opinion, Clarence Lewis should have got some bench time at least one series, at least one. Because you can't do much worse than what they haven't done it all year. But you let Cam Hart follow Tay Martin. Maybe that's the only other adjustment you can make, but they haven't done that all year. Yeah, it's like they don't have a follow system. It's play your responsibility and win. If you can't, it's not like 
Nobody on the defensive side said that they didn't know what to do. There is no scheme in the second half, the first series. You're up 28-14, it's second and nine, and Bo Bauer comes clean on the blitz and has Spencer Sanders dead to rights to put them in third and super long and get the ball back for Notre Dame to make it a 21-point game. And he whiffs. There is no scheme for that. Mike Gundy didn't do nothing. Matter to, fact, to wait do. a minute. Matter of fact, that's a great call, right? That's great a great call. call, right? You get a man running free, you sack the quarterback. That's a great adjustment. Great adjustment. What happens? Not good enough to make the play. Not good enough to make the plays. Period, man. Y'all want to defend cats? Stop. Latest game at the feet of everybody. Everybody. But don't just pull stuff out of the sky. This had nothing to do with lack of adjustments. Nothing to do with it. And you can tell. And you can tell. If he was if he was watching the game, you could tell because it was just stuff that we were there but got beat. You were seeing open missed tackles where everybody's like, if you just made the tackle, we get off the field. There were no blown coverages. No overthrows. So, so, so you're looking at it, it's like, man, we just can't buy a play. None. It wasn't, Nine man, backers. we're getting our ass whooped. It was, man, we can't, we can't execute on anything. Jack Kai is supposed to buzz out and get under the under route because Cam Hart is playing off coverage and he's getting out there late. Yeah. That's supposed to be interception. The same ball he picked against Graham Mertz against Wisconsin, the same call. He's getting out there late. It's a completion. That's that's not on coaching. No. That's not on coaching. It's we were not. watching the mistakes, just watching it happen. And I don't need to, I don't need to watch the game. I was watching it in real time, saying, yeah. like, yo, this is dude, this is bad. Not the game, not the coaching. This just is the, bad. Yeah, it's just bad, just bad performance. This these DBs, they're bad. These linebackers, they're bad. They're bad. They're bad. Like, we were gassed. Dude, Notre Dame ran five less plays than Oklahoma State. Shouldn't Oklahoma State's defense been gassed as well? That means I – think, I think they were gassed, but we kept bailing them out, going three and out, throwing it in the dirt. You know, we wasn't putting no pressure on them to tackle. We wasn't putting on no – we wasn't, wasn't putting any pressure on them to survive the play because Jack wasn't running around. We didn't put no pressure on their defense. Their defense was just out there running plays because they're like, okay, Jack's not going to run, so we don't have to cover longer than a certain amount of time. Dude, I'm going to be honest. Let's be honest, right? Because Rodriguez is getting a lot of love on the Logan Diggs screen in the third quarter. That would have been a big play for Notre Dame. Kyron breaks that tackle. He's not taking Kyron down, man, one-on-one. He's not. But it was Logan Diggs. And next year, year, I don't think he takes Logan Diggs down one-on-one. No. No, I don't think so either. But Kyron definitely wouldn't have gone down one-on-one. And that's an experience thing. We saw experience come through for the running back group. Chris Tyree, Mm -hmm. electric, a guy you can count on. The rest of the running back room just looked super young. They was tipping, slipping. 
making letting letting little guys tackle them and trip them up. That's stuff that through experience they'll get better to where Logan Diggs. I'm not expecting him. He was jumping over people the other day, man. So I'm not expecting him to go backwards in 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 his abilities, but. It was obviously more to be asked for from the young group, the running back room. Chris Tyree, I wish we would have used him a little bit more in the second half. But he did what we he's always done, been explosive, diff, out of the backfield, catching, doing screens here and there. But we definitely missed Kyron in that sense of bringing it all together. Because when it out, we gave it to 23. And did we not? Please go watch. Please go watch the preview show. Yeah. What do we say? We said if they are as undisciplined with the pass rush as they were against Virginia Tech and got killed by Burmeister, they're going to get killed by Spencer Sanders. 100%. This man put up over 500 yards total offense. And most of it was the second half. And he figured it out. He said, oh, okay, I know they're going to whiff past me. When they're whiffing past me, there's nothing but space and opportunity. That's it. Why? Linebackers. Our girl, DBZ. Was good. Once you saw Bauer 10 yards off the ball and was still still couldn't flip his hips, you knew it was over. The talent is not good enough. There is a reason why the focus and defensive recruiting in the first two classes has been on linebackers and defensive backs. There's a reason. Prince Collie would have made a play, though. I'm convinced. You can't convince me Prince Collie wouldn't have made a play. I mean, bro, look. They've been talking about him all week. They've Michael been talking Brady. about him all week. They, they, what they say all week? Hey, Prince Collie has been making plays, been flying around. We appreciate the super chat. I, I got to get my tea on this response. Did I miss something? Let us know. Yeah, let us know. What response? I'm not on fire, man. I'm just passionate about the truth. And when we start bringing narratives and stuff, like, man, we're not, that's that's not what this podcast is about. Yeah, because we don't have agendas. We're not connected to anybody. And, yo, we're going to speak the truth. And you can, you can give a great opinion, but we're just saying, don't bring that narrative, low-hanging fruit stuff. Like, yo, keep it 100. Stop. It has nothing to do with coaches. What the coaches needed to be blamed for, we blamed them for. We talked about it in the wrap-up show. But stop. Stop. All that preparation, adjustment stuff. There is no adjustment for, for Clarence Lewis. None. Other than putting Ryan Barnes in. That's it. There is no adjustment for Drew Wright, Bo Bauer, Paul Kaiser, DJ JD Bertrand, all year they've been bad tackling. All year. All year. They've been coached over and over again. They're not rangy enough. They're not athletic enough. They're just not. And with all that being said, we still gave the offense two chances to win the game at the end. Say it again. So with all that being said, not being talented enough, we still made plays enough to come out with the victory. Gave them two chances. You know, usually get once. We gave them two chances at life and couldn't convert. So it's just 
gassed, gassed. Now, see, this is what when you have elite talent that's gassed, elite talent plays the RPO, plays the running back, and still is able to chase down the quarterback and have enough talent to pull the ball and yank it out. That's what elite talent like Isaiah Foskey does. So go yeah, get enough talent like that. Go get enough talent like that on the field. And the adjustments will look real good. Yeah. They'll look real good. Because they're going to make a lot of You'll have people on the field that can execute it. Until then, and look. <laughs> look, man. <laughs> that right there. Look, dude. Oh, man. That's it. Like, people are like, oh, man, he was totally out coached. Dude, Mike Gundy out coached him by two points. Yes, a first year coach. No, 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 I need a first year. A first game coach. He out coached him by two points. And had to pull off an amazing. That was the one of the biggest comebacks of Fiesta Bowl history. Like, come on. Come on. Like, look. See, uh, let me point out some more foolishness. Marcus Freeman equals Charlie Strong. <laughs> like, see, this, you know, this, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is where this buffoonery comes in. <laughs> if you want to give, if you don't think he's a good coach, then just First choose all, another, choose another bad coach. Charlie Strong is, got, is good. But no, no, no. no. This, this, this is my point. I think he's trying to say he's a good court DC, DC and not a good head coach. Okay. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. That that's what he's trying to say. Hopefully, that's what he's trying to say, and I'll leave it at that. But after one game, I dude, can't give him a comparison to anybody. Come on, man. <laughs> I can't. I can't give it. And even if that's what they were going with, dude, we still. First of all, we still gave him two opportunities to come out with the game. It's just Jay Golden forty four. Mike Gundy was deer in headlights first half. Thank you. Thank you. Had no nothing. Had nothing until the last drive. Like, you know what? Let's just go four or five wide and just try to try. try. Let's and just try something. And they realized, like, oh, we, we got something. The man. But it wasn't, it wasn't no calculated strategic move. It's, look at this. Look at this. You see, this is the foolishness right here. This is the buffoonery. Kelly's leadership was missed. Was it missed when you were getting blown out in bowl games? <laughs> This is what I'm talking about. His leadership is the same dude that called Phil Jacoby to transfer because he publicly talked about him and lied to him and his father. That's leadership. Do we need to go to the beginning of Brian Kelly's tenure and the lack of leadership? Are you kidding? Do we need to talk about how he lied to you and your mother, Malik? Oh, man. Man, come on, man. What leadership? What leadership? See, I wouldn't put leadership as a quality of Brian Kelly. I would put, like, you know, other things, businessman, you know, politician. Did his leadership Did his leadership win the uh, Virginia Tech game, or did Kevin Austin make a play? <laughs> Where was Brian Kelly's leadership against Cincinnati? When he gave Cincinnati seven points in the second quarter because of his decision. Where was his leadership? That's did Notre Dame get back in the game because of his leadership against Cincinnati, or did the defense, Marcus Freeman's defense, make a play <laughs> to get them back in the game? Come on, man. 
This ain't hey, you if you if you on some false narrative stuff, this ain't the week to mess with me. This ain't it. This ain't yeah, I've never, yeah, me. yeah. Some of that stuff, I don't know, man. This is not the it's week to mess with stretch. me. But that's what happens when you lose, man. You you get opportunity to just throw out anything and think that that's what the reason was. Yeah. So it's like, unfortunately, Marcus Freeman got to go undefeated for the next 10 years. Or it's going to be a bunch of narratives, you know. Let's see. Matt, 2011 GT, day one. We appreciate you. If we had the O-line Bama had, we could do what they did to Cincy Sprint 7, run it down their throat, and balance out the offense. Dude, it wasn't even a front seven. Cincy had six of what they a went, safety making with a safety coming down. With a safety coming down. They went straight three three five with a safety coming down. And I'm surprised that they tried to they really tried that versus Alabama. I'm surprised that they that's why I'm Mike like, Trussell, that's why Mike Trussell can get scratched off of my DC. <laughs> no, one no parts of them. None. That was your game plan to face right, Alabama. Mom. Maybe it was like we'll we'll die with them running the football over them throwing it all. Man, day. early on, if I have two first round cornerbacks early on, I got eight on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> eight, eight. I got single high safety. My two DBs got your two receivers. We got eight in the box. We shut it's, this run down. You know, now that I'm thinking ball. about it, now that I'm thinking about it, it was real crazy they did that because they went two high safeties the entire game. <laughs> as if they didn't have corners. That's why Alabama kept running. They're like, oh, you're going to go too safe. You're going to run it. Oh, my God. But dude. with all-star, all-American corners, you would have thought they would have did what you said. They were in too high safeties, deathly afraid of the pass, but got the best corners in the game. So, yeah, Brian Robinson was eaten, but I don't know if that was the best strategy they should have went with. Aaron Proof said Gundy low-key underrated in bowl games. Gundy is underrated as a coach, period. That's why we he couldn't get us scheduled for ever. He's underrated. <laughs> we he's wasn't thinking nothing man. about he's no. a really good coach, really good program. Transition that program from being strictly offensive to more balanced. Really good coach. But let's not act like Oklahoma State got blasted in that first half. Or blasted against Baylor. What are you talking about? Well. Right, so Dave Aranda outcoached him, outclassed him, right, in the Big 12 Conference Championship. <laughs> Jacob Dunn, it was so frustrating to watch our linebackers whiff and take poor angles all game. Yeah, we talked about that. That's bad coaching, Jacob. I don't know if you know that. That's bad coaching. Bad coaching when you only run a 4-8 and you just can't get there. Bad coaching when you're, your leader – has a partially torn MCL and is playing through it and just can't get there. It's bad coaching. See, that's like the juice carton. We just dealing with a little bit of the juice left in the carton. You know, you got all type of contaminants and it's the leftovers and it's the last bit of it. That was the basically the team at that point. We were trying to finish with the last little bit of the juice we had. I got this. I'm trying to find David Carpenter's... Uh, There it is. Thank you for the super chat, David. Great show, guys. Love the passion. How many five stars do you think we have on the team in three years when we play AM? We has like 70. <laughs> um three years, so that's three recruiting cycles. I, I think mean, if we if we literally if we beat Ohio State first game, 
and we make it to the playoffs and damn near play in the championship, we'll get five five stars by the next the, the next year. So if we rinse and repeat or get close and repeat, we can we can get 10, I give us in three years if we do the right things. Yeah. I, I was gonna say nine, eight, nine, two or three every year. Eight, nine. And that would be man. Because Texas AM boosted five stars after beating Bama in one season. Right. They wasn't getting those same five stars that they didn't beat Bama. That's facts. Like a win over Ohio State and Clemson next year would be. We might get five, we might get the most after that year. Uh Jacob Dunn says, I love Alt and Fisher. Christophe is solid. We need Rocco to emerge. Well. First of all, see, this is the encouraging thing. Alton Fisher really haven't had, like, Fisher got, he was an early enrollee. They're going to look totally different next year, bro. Yeah. They're going to have, like, a full offseason in the weight room. Much stronger. Christoph is going to be much stronger. If Jared Patterson comes back, then you add, Dude, Billy Shroff might start. I mean, yeah. shoot, with Harry Heastead, man, anything's possible. Anything's on top possible. of the fact, and on top of the fact that this was an eleven and two offensive line, and we're talking about all the steps we can take to get better. So, I really think that it's encouraging for those guys. I think if they just stay the course, they don't even have to do nothing special. Just stay the course, and we're gonna get back to where we were two, three years ago. Yeah, absolutely, Tom Belort. We appreciate you. Boys, brighter days are ahead. I didn't know Coach Freeman was only 30 days, uh, or his time was only limited to 30 days. He's here for a while. Let him put his imprint on the team, build his coaching staff, and recruit. Let it play out. Exactly. Let it play out because if this was a this was year three in the Freeman era and we lose Oklahoma State like we did, I get it. A bunch of concerns should be uh, – justified how they're making it but he ain't even have his own off season yet <laughs> he's we still in the Brian kelly season until yesterday you know so now like you said play it out now we got a chance to really grow on something my thing is you have to realize and this is what we talked about um that game was uh shocking we didn't like the outcome but it was eye-opening and it was refreshing at the same time because it really gave you a true view forget the record over the past five years it gave you a true view of what really was going on from a talent standpoint in notre dame this is what we have and this is what we have to go get and more than likely it's going to take two recruiting cycles to rectify everything we need to do. We're still probably going to win games during the process, but in order to get to a highly competitive level, it's going to take two recruiting cycles and picking up key parts at quarterback, wide receiver, and defensive back moving forward. Plain and simple. That's it. Plain and simple. Kevin Austin is gone. Brayden Lindsey comes back. Uh, Irish breakdown message board 
broke this, I believe, last night that um, Isaiah Foskey is like 50-50. Look, I'm in a stage right now where who, whoever wants to go, I wish them nothing but success. Yeah, you better take it now. Yeah, because we're, we're good. <laughs> like, we go. You heard about this dream he said, we out. We, we out. We moving on. Yeah, if you want to be part you, of it. What he say? He said, if you stay in, right. we're we going to rock. If you leave right. it, we're going to miss you. So we ain't thinking nothing about staying in place. And, and Foskey might be waiting to see who the defensive coordinator is. Right? Because he knows, look, Marcus Freeman's not the defensive coordinator. Right. Let's see who the defensive coordinator is. Because I didn't like Elson. <laughs> and then I'll make my decision, you know. That's that. He tweeted. I think he tweeted out he's going to do the best thing for him and his family. See, that's and, never. Uh, that's never. Brian Driscoll. Yeah. Brian Driscoll made a good point. He said usually when kids are leaving, they just put out a post like, "Yo, I'm leaving." Like when they don't do that, normally they're leaning towards staying. So. He'll get information back from scouts in the NFL where he falls. And I like him back more than I do Kevin Austin, though. I would rather have him back than to have Kevin Austin back. I think Kevin is in a better position to leave. Heck yeah. And yeah, we can replace him. Else. Yeah, we can replace him quick. Yeah, but I, quick. Need, I need Foskey. Getting on CJ Stroud's nerves. Because that's a that's a centerpiece for our defense. Would be I powerful. need that. Like I need CJ Stroud to be looking over his shoulder. Because if we don't have if we don't have Foskey, who do we really have that's that's getting at least 10 sacks that season? That's gonna be pressuring CJ Stroud because if not, it's gonna turn to a seven on seven for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh DBZ, I think it's a question here. Can you tell me why? have 18 old linemen and freshmen are starting. Talking about us? Oh, I see. We talked about this. Um, I think it was the wrap-up show. Notre Dame is an O-line factory. Has yeah. been. And when you're an O-line factory and you recruit studs, those studs usually come in a red shirt. When they are forced to play, it's usually because of injury or there's something wrong with the talent or depth in that room. And under Jeff Quinn, what we saw is the deterioration of the O-line room at Notre Dame. And it started after Liam Eikenberg left. Absolutely. And once Harry recruited Liam, right? That was the last one, I think. That was yeah. the last one. Once we saw Notre Dame go get a transfer from Marshall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I said, this, I'll never forget the day I saw it. I said, oh, yeah, we're different. Harry would never. That was the first sign. The first sign that we wasn't the same. Something was wrong with the O-line. Because I'm like, we just, 
we just get a hundred million dollar guy, a first round guy, a two first round guys in the same year, Yo, and now we picking up guys from Marshall. And the second sign that something was wrong was the fact that we had a true freshman starting at left tackle. Yeah, like we didn't have nobody else. Every great lineman in Notre Dame red shirt. Just about. Just about. And that's when you know you have a program where you just keep churning out great O-line. Because freshmen can come in and learn, build their bodies, and by the time they get to that red shirt freshman year, they're ready to roll. Yeah. So Lee Marie says, thanks, Malik. I was trying to say it with uh, exuberance because it had the exclamation point. At the beginning of this year, this was a transition from book to gap filler quarterback, a new defensive scheme. Projections were three to four losses at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, we were speculating potential, but at the end of the day, when you look at that, talent sheet compared to other teams rosters we just always come out with more talent which mm-hmm. gives us the, the the idea that we'll probably come out with those victories yeah from a transition yeah the quarterback obviously we're getting a transfer fifth year guy in added the transition to it because we're coming off a guy who's the winningest quarterback of all time which is which is a, a for us it wasn't much to close that gap one it's not like we lost Kyler Murray or or Deshaun Watson, it was it was a guy that, you know, was consistent enough to make the plays, but he wasn't a a bona fide first pick of the draft either. He wasn't the Jameis Winston. So closing that gap was more of just filling that time before we got that next big piece. I think we should have used Tyler in that, but the transition worked either way. We was gonna win the same amount of games. Uh and that one or two game of the season we always talk about that makes our season. We knew that was the game we most likely wouldn't come out on top, and it it proved to be true. And that's how we are right now. We are uh, we're looking to get one game better as opposed to a whole season better. In 2010, Michael Grace, thank you for the super chat. We played and beat Utah. Fast forward to today, I think Utah is closer to a natty than Notre Dame. Thoughts. <laughs> look don't be a prisoner of the moment because they played ohio state well utah's a great team you know better than the average i think they will give us a little bit of a run for our money because they're a physical ohio state State was bored bro they were though ryan said it ryan day said it after the game he said we didn't want to be here we're still upset no he was 100 he said, we didn't want to be here. We were still upset about the loss to Michigan. It took, man, we had to really get them focused in the practices. Yeah. They really didn't want to be here. That's funny. But because their competitors, when they got down 14-0, <laughs> they were like, yo, okay, all right, now, we don't want to be here, but y'all not, but we're not about to lose. We're not about to lose this game. I mean, he was, hey, man. Did he it look like honest. that? It definitely looked like that. He was honest. Like, he was transparent and honest. Like, yo, my team did not want to be here. Nah. They wanted to be in the college football playoff. And, and you know, I think that's just the difference between the top three teams in the country and everybody else. 
the top three teams in the country can decide when to turn it on and off. Like when remember, people forget that what was it? Sam Houston State had Alabama 7-0 in the first what minute or something? Right. And Alabama that switch on so quick. <laughs> Alabama's like, we will not be losing this. That no one can ever t- do. Someone took a picture of the scoreboard <laughs> and put it on social media. It couldn't even, yeah, it couldn't even get down the timeline before Alabama changed the, the outcome of that game. And that's just the difference. You know, Clemson didn't have that switch this year. Yeah. Because they didn't have the quarterback. Definitely. But when you're a, a top program that's every year is on top, like Ohio State, uh, Alabama, then you can say stuff like that if you're Ryan Day. Even if we felt like that, and I feel like we still were more talented than Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. Marcus Freeman would never say we was getting bored and then we just turned it on late. Yeah. He couldn't say that. He couldn't say that. But if he, but Ohio State could say that. So it's just the mentality is getting to where we need to be like that. But, man, it's, it's just funny to think that teams that get close think they can get a national championship, but the gap between championship – and everybody else is, is really bigger than what people think. And hopefully we develop that switch. Like I can't wait to see Notre Dame have that switch. That they yeah. can just, you know, that's a field good switch. That, that Georgia has, that Alabama has, that Ohio State has. Like, yo, you know what? Once we get into this gear, no one can stay with us. Yeah, that's exactly what we need to get into. That's why we're critical on stuff like a Kane Madden. We're critical on stuff like losing in the uh to, to Cincinnati. We're critical on stuff on addressing the real and about these narratives is because we have to be if we want to get one game better. Yeah. And to go back to what we were talking about, that's a perfect what you're saying. Utah was up 14 zip. And I think they were up, they were even up 14 at half. I think it was like 28-14 or something like that. Bro, is is Kyle Whittingham is a is a really good coach. I wonder if he's getting lambasted for the lack of adjustments. No. <laughs> no. You know why? Because anybody with good sense knows there is no adjustment to Ohio State. You, you don't have an adjustment to Ohio State's wide receivers. You don't. Not when you don't have no players, absolutely not. Okay, when you gonna go zone? No. You, and if you go man to man, that's either, that's the problem. You're either taking a slow death or a fat dude. Either way, how you want it? Ohio State is like how you want it. Yeah, they got too many. They got too many issues. Too many yeah. issues to be addressing. You and know, this is like, with yeah. this is with their backup wide receivers. You know it was bad when Utah was dropping eight and still getting explosive plays put on them. Like <laughs> <laughs> they dropping eight guys, you see Jackson and Nick, but still catching twenty yard passes. It was like it's nothing to call. It's nothing to call. Dude, there's not. There is nothing you can do. Either you have the guys, or you don't. Or you don't. And as, as hyped as Utah was, and as tough as they were, even the fans were there. It was like it was always like. 20 what was it? It was 70% of the stadium was Utah. Well, Utah it was a home game. 
It was a home game for Utah. Neither Ohio State's team nor fans were interested in being there and still came out. None. None. <laughs> and if you, they came out and hit a switch in the second half and Utah <laughs> had no answer. There is no answer. There is none. We have nobody on our team. This dude put up 300 yards himself. as a receiver. Himself. 327 300. yards. 300. A lot of running. Man, come on, man. Now, and that wasn't even – and he – and it was other receivers that did well too. <laughs> Marvin That's the Harris. crazy part. It would it'd be different Take if points. he was the only guy on the team like a North Carolina yeah. or, or a Keaton Slovis with Drake London. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. They have Marvin Harrison Jr. Out there getting busy. Mm-mm. They had tight ends getting – like, so Mm-mm. it was guys that was going crazy. Now, see, yeah. this is why you wait on the transfer portal because – that was a red shirt freshman or a freshman sitting there watching Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, number four, I forget his last name. Yeah, they, we don't know four, him next year. Egbuna, we don't know him next year. Egbuna watching those four put in work, and he's saying, "I ain't gonna get no tick next year. I ain't get no tick next year for sure. I might as well go ahead and transfer." And that's the dude. If Ohio State recruited him, <laughs> he can't get on the field. That's the dude you want to target and recruit. That's how Jameson Williams. Right that's, there. that's how Jameson Williams ended up in Alabama. It's like, yo, this is lead perfect. Chris Costello says, Malik, how concerned are you with the wide receiver recruiting depth currently, as well as the coaching staff's lack of adjustments the entire game in the Fiesta Bowl? Everybody. I am as concerned with the recruit, recruiting depth as much as I'm concerned with the quarterback depth. Until we get quarterbacks worth watching, I mean, just worth cutting on the TV for, because we got guys that's not cutting, that's not worth cutting on TV for. They like more box score, just wait to the end, you know, talk about the numbers. Until we get a guy that's worth cutting on the TV for, because I cut on TV for that CJ Stroud. Mm -hmm. I cut on TV for Bryce Young. Mm -hmm. I cut on TV for the Georgia defense. So until we get something worth cutting the TV on for at the quarterback position, I am always going to be concerned about the receiver receiver depth because I know they're not watching. If I'm not watching, what they watching for? They're not watching because of the aesthetic of Notre Dame. They're like, who is throwing a pill that I can get behind? Right. Ohio State has so much success with receivers because look at their quarterbacks, Justin Field, Dwayne Haskins, uh, JT Barrett because of his numbers, right, because of his numbers. Cardell Jones even. They win in championships. They're getting drafted. I mean, three of the last Ohio State quarterbacks are in the Big Ten history for touchdowns in a single season. Dwayne Haskins had 50. Justin Fields had 41. C.J. Stroud has 42 now. J.T. Barrett set the all-time record. So, you know, you got receivers looking at them and like, oh, if I just go there, the ball going to find me. Right. Right. I don't think receivers are watching our games and being like, the ball is going to find me. That's the difference. They That's watch the difference. our games and be like, man, are they going to win? They yeah. tripping. They they playing hard against Toledo. Are they going to throw it to Kevin Austin more or what? Like, what's going on? So I think that depth is going to be concerned. But then the last part of the question real quick, yeah. look, the coaching staff, that's not – that's still the remnants of another guy. So until we get a full season, it's hard to even make a full adjustment or assessment on their staff. Every time somebody brings up the lack of adjustments in the Fiesta Bowl, because I think he said 
the lack of adjustments the entire game. Like, I don't, you complaining about adjustments in the first half where you dominated? Yeah, and no adjustments in the first half. Yeah, dude. I, Damn, there wasn't no adjustments to be made in the second half. If I think anytime, anytime somebody brings up lack of adjustments, I'm just going to hit He this. prepared us really well. He had us ready for the high tempo. He had us ready. Like, it wasn't schematically. It was a little the little details of – we missed tackles. We didn't win the 50-50 balls. Those little details, and we need to make sure we do that better, and it's on us. And going into the next season, I just want to make sure I focus on the fundamentals, the little things like finishing leverage tackles, not going one for one for blocks, just every little detail, just being able to enhance it. And then just being able to take that next step in leadership and be able to help this team become the team that we want to become. That's it. Roll the tape. That's it, Roll the man. Tape. Every time somebody brings up adjustments, we just gonna roll the tape, man. Roll the tape. Roll the tape. Your team is not good enough talent wise. There is no adjustment for that. And, that's and why we brought up. That's why we brought up Utah and Ohio State. When you when Ohio State hit the switch, it was over. There was nothing Utah could do schematically. Nothing. And Utah scored 45 points. It's still low. Yes. <laughs> That's the only thing they could do was score to help. That's it. There was nothing schematically on defense that Utah could do. That's just how wide. That's just how much talent they didn't have. Utah, I think, was starting. I think three to four starters were freshmen. Yeah, and Utah the played. Secondary or something like that. And the sickest part is Utah played great. No, Utah called. Utah caught Ohio State not wanting to be there early in the game. Yeah. And Ohio State finally woke up, and it was a totally different game. Basically saying Utah playing at their best. Yes. Still wasn't even – I don't think anybody in the stadium outside of Utah fans thought that Utah was going to win that game, no. even when it be a close. No. Not no. if you was watching it. Not if you was watching the game, you like, oh, it's just a matter of time. No, even when they were up. <laughs> Even when they were up, it's, oh, like, it's just a oh, it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time, dude. Boys up and down the field, it's just a matter of time. Let's see, Pierre with HH here. He stands to right the ship on the O line and the combination of Tyler. There will be no dropping eight and Darren, our quarterback, not to run. The blocking will allow TB to grow. I mean, the bucket was solid enough. It's just are they going to let him throw? That's the question. Yeah. Oh, here's the one I brought up. Notre Dame 2164 says, please tell me why I shouldn't be terrified of Ohio State's air attack against our secondary after what I just saw at the Fiesta Bowl. Talk me down, man. Talk me down. Man, be concerned. <laughs> yeah, dude, like we could we're concerned. Notre Dame, Notre Dame could have won that game by 20. I still would have been concerned about the quarterback and wide receivers at Ohio State. Yeah, right now we're down seven because the uh, Jackson Nick would just score one because he scored too many for the Rose Bowl. He just added some to the, the game next year. So, right. yeah, be concerned. The only way to talk this down is if we get these transfers, you know, that'll be a great a great step in the right direction we get them transfers. Hey, and other Joseph. than that, you know, I want to see a bigger big, big production on offense. Shit, can yeah. we score 45 points next year? Yeah, yeah. B-Rock Iris said Ohio State had like 10 players out. Well, I know they had their two top wide receivers out. 
So Christopher Galloway said that's that recruiting switch. Yeah, straight up. Yeah. They went into that okay. locker room and said, all right, it's time to get what that money paid for. Uh, oh, said, all right, you're right. Andrew Goss said Ohio State is receiver you. Uh, Jamar Chase and uh, OBJ. And uh, what's up, boy, up in uh, Minnesota? Oh, yeah, all them, all yeah. them boys. LSU Justin will, Jefferson. Yeah, Justin LSU would like to have a word with you, Andrew. Like now, if those guys have great uh NFL careers, hell yeah, Ohio State. Yeah, but right now LSU has like four or five studs in the NFL. So you know, we'll see. Oh Ohio State's coming. Coming on real fast though. Yes, Anthony K. Shea, thank you. Can Mickey and Morrison help next year? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Jay Mickey is going to compete with Clarence Lewis from day one. Yeah, because it's, it's a must. It's a must. Somebody got to do it. God damn it. <laughs> Some, somebody got to get it there. Somebody. You know, you know what you need. See, Cam Hart is so steady and quiet on the other side. You need somebody like Jaden Mickey that likes to talk that ish. Like, if you go yeah. watch tape on Jaden Mickey, he competes great when the ball is in the air. And man, he lets the wide receiver know, like, yo, you ain't getting nothing today. That's like the type that's of need. you need opposite of that's all we need. That's yeah, that's all we need. That's so all we need. And there. it wouldn't have been and it wouldn't have been bad if Clarence Lewis had at least at least turned around and looked like he said something. He was getting right. beaten just right. walking back. Like, damn, at least. <laughs> At least getting the man head and tell him why you ain't getting next time. He was just getting whooped and walking yeah. back to the line. I'm like, yeah, we need some attitude in that secondary. DJ Brown too quiet, you know. All them guys back there, make some noise. Yeah, let's see. Be busy said low key. JD know his job on the line too. Facts, facts. Yeah, he did. Wait why you sit up there naming all the things he need to work on? Wait a he prepared us really well. He had us ready for the high tempo. He had us ready. Like it wasn't schematically. It was a little the little details of we missed tackles. We didn't win the 50-50 balls. Those little details, and we need to make sure we do that better. And it's on us. And going into the next season, I just want to make sure I focus on the fundamentals, the little things like finishing leverage tackles, not going one for one for blocks, just every little detail, just being able to enhance it. And then just being able to take that next step in leadership and be able to help this team become the team that we want to become. Man, it was all in his voice, bro. I don't know. I'm going to try my yeah, best. He, he gave I'm an exit be meeting before even meeting with Coach Freeman. <laughs> He already knew. He's like, Coach Freeman, you don't even have to tell me. I already took notes. Because <laughs> I'm not about to be – look, he knows what's coming down the pipe. He didn't see the recruiting. He was taking mental things. notes. He was yeah, taking mental he, notes during the game. He's, he already know going into that exit meeting, he's talking to Coach Freeman about what he needs to work on. He's trying to convince him, look, I know you got guys coming, but I know I'm going to work on this, this, and this, and we're going to be straight, baby, though. Don't, don't give up on me. <laughs> Oh my god! Yo. But that's good. That's what you want. You want a player to to recognize and be aware of the situation and make a, an adjustment to it. And I think that's what was one that movie. What was that movie with Omar Epps? Was the program? <laughs> yeah, the program. When he came on campus and Halle Berry was with the star running back, and he was letting them know, like, 
gonna take your spot and your girl, dog. And your girl, yeah. That's how them recruiting bitches is feeling. JD Bush done saw Jalen Sneed done come up there a couple times. Then saw some of these big, big recruits. These recruits is big now. He then saw all them boys come up just in their little Notre Dame recruiting jackets and stuff. And so yeah, the pressure is definitely on, and, and nobody's job is safe. That's good. Yo, Pierre's right. Mickey's gonna be out there telling them, you man, you better throw the cam side. <laughs> Y'all need to try cam. See, that's I'm gonna love every moment of it. Every moment. I'm gonna love every moment of it. Like, yo, even if you get me, I'm talking. At least will be a, a some type of intimidation in that secondary. I don't think anybody's afraid of our secondary. That's a no. problem. No. No. That's a long flight home for JD Bertrand, too. He's like, dang. Man, JD was probably the first one in the, in the weight room too. <laughs> he was probably he like, said, "I Yo. gotta come back fighting. I gotta come back fighting. I, I can't even go relax on this vacation. I gotta go and work out." He told Matt Bayless, "Man, can I get in early tomorrow?" Yeah, he said, Yo, "Look, I, I was thinking out? when the program should start. Our uh, our lifting program should start tomorrow. You know, we should get back in the gym." <laughs> But that's a guy that I'm expecting to show up next year and, and, and make and make adjustments and get better. You know, I'm not expecting him to tank. I think he's going to step to the, the challenge. Uh, Steve Williams said the offense in the first half was incredible. I'm not going to hang my expectations on this loss. I know what's coming in this year, and let's see how we, we plan next year. I don't think Freeman – uh, lets his players tank like this in the second half. I mean, I don't Look, think Kyle Whittingham – I mean, when you're a coach, man, sometimes you just – you understand what it was like being a coach from 2000 to 2004 in the Western Conference when the, when the Lakers had Shaq. Like, it was nothing you could do. Like, that. what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Put them on the free throw line? Okay. Then the Lakers are in the penalty early. So now Kobe gets to the free throw line if he's aggressive. That's not dude. You don't have there's nothing you can do. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like this is what reminds me of the chat. The chat reminds me of people saying, Well, why don't you just guard Kevin Durant better? <laughs> right, right. Do something. What what coaching strategy got something for Kevin Durant to have under whatever he wants? You know, he's gonna get his. So the what you you just Put your hand up. He make the good shot. You turn around and be like, Coach, I can't. Nothing I can do. That was good offense. Come on. Some things you just can't do nothing about. The players got to make the change. Yeah, facts. Uh, D Rock Irish. Ohio State's defense was terrible this year, and that's why they're getting a new DC. Ohio State not letting little things slip. I think they see little cracks and they. Instantly fill them. They're not gonna let it hang around and be like, "Well, I don't know." It's like, look, you gave up 21 points in the game. You got to go. <laughs> we we used to giving up nothing. <laughs> so we gotta find somebody to go make that difference. Like, man, look, <laughs> that cat. Look, man, Clarence Lewis too. Like. Yo, you know, you know, Clarence Lewis, uh, Bertrand, Kaiser, uh, they know, 
The dudes that didn't get it done, Logan Diggs, he knows. He knows. That's why I we said, know. man, stop apologizing on social media. Yeah, we Just get in the gym. Get in the gym. Go, go put in the work. That's all you need to do. And for fans that are like, look, for me, as long as you're not cursing a, a player out, talking about their family member, you know, if you're emotional about the loss and you want to say something, fine. You know what I'm saying? It's not something that I would subscribe to, but fine. But players need to, yo, we need to get thicker skin. Right. Like, you don't need to respond. Just go put in the work. Yeah, DBZ, I agree. Bauer, Bauer and Kaiser should be on uh, special teams next year. Maris Lufau is more than likely going to be back. And we're about to end this. Before we end it, though, you know what we have to do. It's going to be real quick, too. So we both have to get out of here. Petticoat. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historian? Every day at a junction, uh, keep it full. The weekend gave us a lot of additions and contributions to Petticoat Junction. I want to start with Kurt Herbstreit, ESPN College Game Day color analyst. Look, man, let it go. Let it go. Move on. Stop holding on to what things were like when you played in college football. You want the stuff you're talking about. Kids don't play for the front of the jersey anymore. Kids don't love football anymore. You go to any neighborhood, you'll see kids in the front yard throwing around the same nerf ball and the same football that you saw when you were growing up. Kids love football. Kids that aren't really talented love football. And that's the way it's going to continue to be. They just don't see the world the way you saw it. They have more options. Kids can transfer and immediately play now. The rules allow them to do that. When you played, you had to sit out a year. So that made kids think, man, I don't want to waste a year not playing. Things are different. It's like what LeBron James did for the NBA when he went to the Miami Heat. He showed every other player in the NBA that they had the power to decide their own destiny. And instead of taking max years on contracts, go ahead, take a two-year contract, take a three-year contract, bet on yourself, and make your own decisions. And college football is like that now. We see the interest of the NIL. It's going to continue to change things. Players are going to continue to have more power. And fan bases are going to have to deal with it. Fan bases are going to have to deal with annual defections. 
from a roster. You're going to lose people to the NFL. You're going to lose people to the transfer portal. Heck, we just had a punter leave. Why? He wanted to go home, be closer to home. But he's gone. So be it. Paul Mawala left. We're probably going to lose a couple of more transfers. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. So for Kurt Herbstreit, we got to put you on the petty train, man. We have to put you on the petty train. Because the nonsense you were spewing this weekend about this generation of football players and how they don't love the game and they're worried about their names. Absolutely, they're worried about their names. They can make money off their names. You couldn't. You absolutely, they should worry about taking advantage of their names. So, Kurt Herbstreet, got to put you on the petty train. Kurt Herbstreet, definitely got to go on the petty train. It just sounds like a guy that's removed from the action. You know, a guy that was once a player and now can't relate to the players because he's been removed too long. And it was just a lazy assumption. I mean, there's plenty of things that we have technology-wise yeah. that can be a distraction. But to say guys don't value the game as much because of that, I mean, if that was the case, you wouldn't have people playing football. It would be more of a club sport. It's crazy. And last but not least, unless you got somebody else, Antonio Brown, man. Hey, bro. I don't know what was said. I don't know why you decided to leave in the middle of the game. <laughs> I do. The pettiest thing was this dude jumping in a police car and asking the police to drive him to the airport. That right there for me, I was like, this dude. <laughs> I'm not even talking about just taking his pass off on the field and putting him under the bench. I just thought the pettiest part was that he had just caught a great play. And then the next time we see him, he's running off the field. So I'm thinking like, man, it couldn't have been a football thing. It has to be something deep. Man. Yo, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen on a football field, my dude. What a way to go out, I'll tell you that. Yeah, he's definitely out. <laughs> There's no question about that. He's deaf, man. He's done. He's done. Well, that's it, man. We gave you two hours today. Man, we love you guys, man. We love you guys, man, because you keep pulling all of this stuff out of us, man. We gave you an impromptu O and another thing last night. We come back with the slant today. We're just going to talk about Marcus Freeman and, yo, you got two hours from us. And it's all for LL Nation. Subscribe, share, like. Subscribe, share, like. If you're watching right now, it's 177 people watching right now. Some dropped off. Hit the like button. Just go right there, hit the like button. And we tell you, we don't care if you hit the unlike button or dislike button, not unlike, dislike button. Hit something. Let us know. We take all feedback. We love all feedback. We love everybody. We appreciate everybody that gives us the opportunity to talk about Notre Dame football and you give us a moment in time and, and, and time in your day to just give us an opportunity. We appreciate you. We're all in this together. We're on the road to a national championship. And, yo, let's just enjoy the ride. That's the way it is. Hit that like button. And if you need a comment, let us know how you feel 
about the uh, about the show, even after the show. And that's that. Any you got any closing remarks, man? Before we get out of here, that's it. That's all we got. All right. So we'll see you guys tomorrow morning at nine a.m. Right back here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast with more information about coaches. <laughs>